Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. For what will, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, but forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory and majesty of his Father with his angels, and then he will repay each one in accordance with what he has done. Here we are, the rest of us. I always find it funny, the kids go and it just feels like we just get stripped down to... Nothing but anyway. That's a powerful scripture. Just thought it was really um Yeah. Did you know do you know what today is? Anyone wanna does anyone know what today is? Palm Sunday. That's his birthday. On Palm Sunday, yeah. I said to Brad, it's Palm Sunday. I say it to him every year, and he's like, uh, the, the Australians don't really do the old Palm Sunday. Where I come from, man, we we cut, we find leaves like this, pay obscene amounts of money to get them in the dead of winter, and then and then lay them all at the, you know, the children all wave them on Palm Sunday, and we only sing Hosanna songs. <laughs> no, it's not quite true we um we but but you know as a children's pastor there was a quite an emphasis on palm sunday it's always fun get the palm leaves from time to time we would get every kid with them and waving them in the church service and yeah having some fun with it yeah i've been i've been i've been caught in the gospels lately and particularly as it's coming to easter um sort of enjoying reading the context of the lead up to Easter and Good Friday and the things that are coming and and um, it you can tell all the writers start to increase in, it increases in intensity Jesus is uh, has always been intentional from from the get-go so it'd be, it'd be I'd be amiss to say he wasn't intentional but things start to dial up noticeably as in in all the gospels as you as you start to creep up towards the end of the gospel which which you know in inevitably well because there's not tons more after after he dies there's there's a few more stories and then he's gone right and so and then we kind of roll into acts and to paul and to the adventures there and so um so as you get later into each gospel things start to dial up 
and the way Jesus talks, the way he addresses his disciples, the the, uh, the seeming urgency of what he's saying and doing, and um, um, and like I said, there's threads of that throughout. So you couldn't you you wouldn't say that as a wholesale. Uh, comment, but uh, just for me, you feel the anticipation of what's coming. What's really strange is to consider it from the standpoint that they had no idea. But they also have an apparent dial-up turning, uh, the the intensity of what's happening. Because Jesus, um, if you watch throughout his ministry, he's making a circuit and he pops in and out of Jerusalem and some different places throughout, but he is on, he's kind of making a circuit around Israel and his last place he's going to land intentionally, really specifically is Jerusalem and, and is sort of the final hours, you know? And so, um, that is really intentional, um, by Jesus. He, he's sort of made his way around the outskirts and whilst, um, yeah. And then, and then to the center and he finally ends in the middle, uh, really intentionally. And so he's coming to Jerusalem. Um, as you get to the end of the gospels, you, you start at Matthew 16, you know, he starts to say things like this, you know, that Allie just read, you know, if anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It starts to dial up in intention. And this is going to cost a lot. This is going to cost everything. Yeah. But whoever wants to lose his life in this world for my sake will find it. That's life with me for all eternity. So I thought that was a good um, starting place this morning to consider that and really appreciate you guys jumping onto that uh, song, Ben and Jane. Um, that song has just been on repeat for me for, for a long time. And I appreciate you guys grabbing that and running with that this morning because there's there's, it's a big ask in there, but it's also a big offering to take my whole life and put on the altar. Um, you know, and it says here, cause that's the only, you know, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his soul? Yeah. So there's something, there's something good on offer for those who would do this. And in fact, there's just, it's just life. But, um, as we come up to the to the Easter story in the prequel leading up. I just wanted to kind of touch on a couple pieces. Um, uh, and so I wanted to first go to, um, we're coming really close to, to him, the triumphal entry where he comes in, uh, in Luke chapter 19. That's where we're going to go now. You got that there, Matthew. Luke chapter 19. Sorry. I was just, getting the right version here. Let's do it in the, um, we'll do it in the Amplified. Um, and verse 11. So Luke 19, verse 11, while they were listening, oh yeah, there we go. While we, they were listening to these things, Jesus went to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they assumed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately as soon as he reached the city. So these are, these are our clues that things were dialing up even for them. The disciples and the people who are with him are thinking the kingdom's coming because he's been saying it. I'm going to come. I'm going to, I'm going to come and save, actually. I'm going to rescue this whole thing, right? Well, and he's getting closer to Jerusalem. And so they're getting excited about it. So it's dialing up. But he tells his story as he comes. 
So he said a nobleman went to a distant country to obtain for himself a kingdom and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus one apiece, each equal to about a hundred days wages and said to them, do business with this until I return. But his citizens, the residents of his new kingdom, hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be king over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these servants uh, to whom he had given the money be called to him that he might find out what business they had they had done. So the first one came before him and said, Lord, your mina has made 10 more minus. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you proved yourself faithful and trustworthy in a very little thing. You shall now have authority over 10 cities in my kingdom. The second one came and said, Lord, your mina has made five minus. And he said to him, and you shall take over charge over five cities. Then another came and said, Lord, here's your mina, which I have kept laid up in a handkerchief for safekeeping. I was always afraid of you because you're a stern man. You pick up what you did not lay down and you reap what you do not sow. He said to the servant, I will judge and condemn you by your own words. You worthless servant. Did you really know that I was a stern? It, did you really know that I was a stern man, picking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not, at the very least, put my money in a bank? Then on my return, I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to bystanders, "Take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minus." And they said to him, "Lord, I tell you, to everyone who..." Um, uh, and they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minus already. Jesus explained, I tell you that everyone who has, because he has valued his gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, because he disregarded his gifts from God, even what he has will be taken away. The king ended by saying, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in my presence. And then in the in Luke 19, then is the triumphal entry. So he tells this story and then to his disciples and then he, the next, the next story is, um, go and get a donkey, find one and I'm going to ride in. Um, it's a powerful story in it. And it, um, there, there are lots of things we could talk about in it. The journey for, for me this morning, um, um, is it's a good prequel to to what he's what he's about to do, but I think um, I'm challenged by this idea that um, of investment. I'm challenged by this idea of um, these gifts and these things that God has put on my life, and when I sat and. I don't know about you, but it's not really hard to find yourself. I, for me, it's really, let's just put it in my, my camp. For me, it's really easy to find um, and be, oh wow, the door just goes. Um, it's really easy to, um, to relate to the guy who's afraid. Like this really big individual God, right, has given, um, has given me much, has given, put lots of things, and I don't know what's really expected of me, or I worry about what he's going to demand of me, and I can really relate to, like, sort of freezing with the things he's called us to, and so I can quickly find myself, um, 
like really relatable. Like I knew, I know you were big and scary. And, um, so I just, I just held on to it for all I was worth so that, you know, I could give it back to you, you know? And, um, I guess when I relate that a little bit to the previous scripture, you know, anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. It's like, that's what that guy's doing. Yeah. He's not taking and rolling it in on, on everything. You know, he's not investing what he has. He's not, you know, at the very least, he's not even just, you know, doing a little, you know, he's doing, he's doing nothing with it, you know? And in fact, he's, he's, um, yeah, it's his, it's his excuse. Right. And he, and in fact, he doesn't really fear <laughs> the king all that much because he, he would, if he, if he did, he would be like the others who understood that, well, we better go do something with this. Yeah. So I can really relate to this. I feel challenged by it in this passage, but I don't want to get stuck there because this isn't about remaining low and, um, and just uh, being chastised. But I can find myself sitting in that place and wondering, oh, which guy am I, you know? And Lord, like, would you show me? So I want to move on and then we'll, you know, maybe it'll make sense. So he goes into the triumphal entry and then, um, and, and they all shout Hosanna and they have no idea what they're doing. They're saying, God say, like, come save us. They think he's here to ride in and, and boot the Romans out. I mean, they have no concept and, and, and we gotta, we gotta give them it. We gotta give it to them. They, they wanted freedom so bad and they were so oppressed and they, they didn't know what they needed, but they, it sure appeared that they just needed to be free of the Romans. Right. And so we don't, we don't blame them and Jesus doesn't blame them either. He weeps over them because they don't see what they really need. Yeah. And he's there to give them what they really need. And, Yes, interesting. So he does the triumphal entry, and then, and then, this is the funny part. Then, in two of the gospels, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go to Mark in Matthew and Mark. It's more succinct in Mark. In two of the gospels, he does this really strange thing. So he comes in, they celebrate him. It's getting late. So he goes and stays the night somewhere. And it says uh, in Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Is that what you got there, Matthew? Yeah. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And let's, let's just read it in the message because it's just interesting. Let's just read it in the message because it's a story. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Can we do that? As they left Bethany the next day, he was hungry. Off in the distance, he saw a fig tree in full leaf. And he came up to it expecting to find something for breakfast, but he found nothing but fig leaves. It wasn't yet the season for figs. And so he addressed the tree. No one is going to eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples overheard him. Now, we're not, we're not going to read it all, but they uh, then he starts rocking into the temple and starts throwing over the money changers. And he said, yeah, you've made my house at robbers. And I got, I was struck. Um, I'm just reading the gospels and I'm just seeing the dial up. And then there's this weird story of the fig tree, 
right in the middle. And Jesus acts super weird in, in Matthew. It's, you know, he curses the tree and it withers right there in, in Mark. They come later and in verse, um, 27, sorry, not even verse 27. Uh, where is it? Did you find it? Oh, yeah, there it is. The previous day, yeah, 22. Previous day, they said to him, uh, Rabbi, look, the tree you cursed is shriveled up. Jesus was a matter of fact. Embrace this, God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you, he said. This, uh, this mountain, keep going, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly-shallying. <laughs> shilly-shallying. <laughs> Or dilly dallying, said the amplified, and it's and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's uh, everything. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then your heavenly Father will be inclined to also wipe your slate clean. Yeah. Jesus was a matter of fact. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it and nothing will be too much for you. So he takes this moment to teach his disciples, you know, he's got this, this fig tree. And so I started to un try to understand, well, what, what was the deal with the fig tree? Cause it seems really out of place. Jesus is like cursing trees now, like, just like, Wazam! Like, like it just seems it just seems kind of weird. Like, you know, like he heals people, and he lifts people, and he raises people, and he challenges people. He doesn't kill trees. Do you know what I mean? Like, he brings coins out of fishes' mouths. Like, he does all sorts of weird things, right? But it doesn't kill like plants. Like, uh, the greenies maybe would lose their minds at this. I don't know. Like, and besides, it says that it wasn't the season for figs. So Jesus, get off this tree. Like, it didn't, it's not its fault, right? So I was just confused by this. And we won't, we won't take a ton of backstory or time today because I, I want to get to the point of it. But the Old Testament is full of this. Um, and there are, are pictures of fig trees. And actually, for his disciples, the lights would have been going off. Ding, 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 ding. We know about this fig tree. It's a fig tree in bloom, but without fruit. They, they will have, it will have been pinging for them. So the context for us is a little bit rough, but for them, it would have been pinging for them because God uses a fig tree when he talks about Israel all the time. And, and quite a few times throughout the Old Testament, he talks about the fig tree and the, and the, um, uh, and he uses it as an example. And here he's really, he's trying to highlight something because it parallels with how the temple is. And he's saying, Hey, you're putting on a show. Hey, you fig tree, you faked me out. I didn't know it wasn't the season, but you, you tried to tell me this was the season for figs and you tricked me and I don't like it and I curse you. And then he goes into the temple and he says, Hey, you, you're, you're pretending all of this is a big show. Yeah. And he does this only with the religious and the religious systems. Do you notice this? He only does this, um, with the religious. Whenever you get Jesus being harsh or challenging or disciplining or coming against, it's with, it's with his disciples when they're being arrogant. <laughs> yeah. And a being about themselves. And it's with the religious when they think they know. 
and when they're putting on a show, but underneath, you know, he calls them whitewashed tombs. You know, when he says, he says like, Hey, like you're acting like you're giving up your life. You're acting like you're surrendering here. You're acting like you're doing all this for me, for God. But in reality, you're just doing it for you. Jesus never gets harsh until he deals with this idea of faking it. And I, um, I got to tell you, it's unnerving. <laughs> it should be for us, actually. It, should, it was meant to be challenging. You know, um, the Bible says to me, uh, you know, the Bible says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. And I think he's trying to use this to highlight something. He's trying to say, hey, 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 <laughs> wake up. And the Old Testament's full of this. He says, like, I, I'm going to bring about fruit on the fig tree. I'm going to do it. He says, you've been fake and you've been, and now you're withered and died and I'm going to restore it. it this, is, this, is, this is his heart for his people. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, like, I want to do that. And in fact, he's saying, yeah, you, you know, his response to them saying, hey, look, that tree is all dead. He, you know, and instead of saying, yeah, guys, it's really not about the tree. And, you know, let me ping and remind you. He just says this. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it. Don't fake it. And if you do that, nothing will be too much for you. I don't know about you, but some things feel too much for me. <laughs> I need this. I need this. Lean in. Invest in. You catching the, the theme? Invest in. Double down. Throw yourself at this. Anyone who wants to lose his or get, you know, keep his life will lose it. You know, throw yourself at this. Really embrace it. Nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, you'll say, just go jump. Yeah? In the lake. No shuffling or hemming or hawing. It, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you, he says, to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Whew. Then I began to think about this, and I was just like, man, I think it's really fascinating that God um, wants to do this with me. I think it's really fascinating that God wants to do this with us. And so I began to chase the Lord, and I began to say, are you doing this? Am I the, am I the fig tree? And it's like, and it's like, he took me on a journey of just like going, Curtis is not about, um, this isn't about one thing. I'm not here to, I'm not here to kill you like the fig tree, you know, cause I can feel that, um, fear of the Lord. Like he's going to look at my life and go, I'm not doing enough. And I'm going to die like the fig tree. Do you know what I mean? But I feel this like, and he's just like, you know, and so when I'm sitting with him on this, I'm like, he's like, no, no, no. Like, let's talk about, let's talk about the fruit. Let's talk about a life chosen to follow me. And I feel him saying to me, like, like um, I, I felt him take me on a journey back through my life. 
I've created you and I've made you and I've taken you places and I've done things and you followed me. And I, he began to just encourage me with my story. So I was super thankful for, and then he, then he showed me this family and he was like, this whole family is leaning in towards me and I'm doing <laughs> nice. I'm doing a thing in this family. I, this family is investing in me. Yeah. And it starts by putting it in the bank so it gains interest. And for some of us, that's where we are. It's just time to take our life and say, you know what? I'm going to roll it in. At least I'm going to put it, I'm going to, I'm going to try to hand it to him. Yeah. There are examples of us who, um, who have rolled it all in. I'm looking at, I'm looking at you and Brad and, and others who have rolled it all in. I'm, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of my own story. When he said, would you, would you roll it in? Come to Australia, do this thing. Yeah. But even before that, he reminded me of, of different places in my life, different stages. I remember when, uh, basically, basically in the first years that I knew Brad, he said to me, you know, would you roll in a year? Would you take your year? Just double down on me. And then the lights for me began to come on because it's hard. It's hard when you read this. These are harsh words and harsh things. And I can find myself identifying with the places that need to be, you know, affronted. Yeah. And we always have those. But there's this life that he's got on offer. He's not trying to kill us. He's trying to he's trying to keep us from dying. It's what he's doing in the temple. He's trying to keep this thing alive. You guys, you're choking this thing out. It's dead and I'm I'm turning the tables. I'm going to revive it. I'm going to bring it back. You know, he says, I'm going to tear this temple down and rebuild it in three days. And they were like, what? Who do you think you are? You know, this is, this is the kind of stuff Jesus starts saying in this time. And they have no idea what he's doing. They have no idea what he's doing. But we do because we know the story. Easter's coming. The hard bit's coming, but also the victory is coming. And he's modeling it for us. And it's like, oh. We know, we know about the disciples who said, we'll, we'll double down. We'll be with you to the bitter end. And he says, well, no, you won't. But it's going to be all right. Because I'm going to make a way so you can always come back to me. Yeah? And I believe in you. And I believe in your ability to come back and reinvest and come and get this in my heart for you. Right? And so all the edges of this come off but the but the poignancy and the the part for me that just just must come alive is that there is not no substitute for a life laid down he's not fooled by the show by my words i can't i can't do better be better to get there yeah, and in fact, yeah, but there's such um, a gift on offer when we would recognize that 
humbly receive what he's doing for us. You know, he's saying embrace this God life, really embrace it. And he's saying it before he even goes and dies. He's just saying, come on, come follow me into this guys and and you're going to get your life and these guys go out and do unbelievable things and have unbelievable testimonies and they and and suffer and struggle and see victory and yeah and do it together and start what we know is you know what we have here they start what we have here <laughs> and I look around this room and I think about the people in this room and I know that we're all at different places, but I know that God has called us to consider what it would be like to lay down our life and put it in his hands and see what he would do. And I know so many of the stories in this room have discovered that um, God is so faithful to give back to us. And so even just as we hang out, I know, I know it's a lot. I know there's quite a variety of thought in here, but I just wonder between these three, you know, verses, this invite to lay down our life, you know, as, as disciples. And then, and then this challenge to, are you investing what the Lord's been giving you? Does he have your yes? You know, and then this, what would happen if I embraced this God life? What would that do to my prayer life? <laughs> what would happen if my life and the things I asked for came into uh, line and communion with what God was doing? That's what he's saying here. Then everything you ask for, you start to see come about. Yeah. And... I don't know. I don't know that I'm there, there yet. I know that I ask for a lot of things that I want. <laughs> I do, but I'm challenged by the thought that, um, there is something so rich on offer. If I, if I would take my life and reinvest it, double down. And when I look around this room, I go, we are definitely those who have put it in the bank. When I look around this room, I go, we are definitely those who have doubled down once. And we, and then I look around this room and I go and I see people who have done it again and again and again and again. And that is an imitatable example for me that I can do it again and again and again. And what would it be for you? Where, where are we at? What is the, you know, for each of you, it's a, probably an individual, it is an individual thing. Where, where are we at? And then as a family, What's he asking us to do anyway? These are the big questions these days. Yeah, these are the questions in, in our home. And these are the things I want to exemplify for my kids, that this is worth it. And actually a life laid down is a life picked up. Yeah, my life laid down is real life. And there's nothing more life-giving than that, yeah? Anyway. So let's get into groups. I know, I know it's a lot. There's a lot of different thoughts, but I think, I think just chewing on it together and reflecting on the things that stand out to us and, and encourage us this morning and questions we have is, is just a really good opportunity. So um, thanks. Thanks for journeying on my, my journey through the Gospels and into Palm Sunday. And I just know that he's got good things for us. Yeah, as we learn to double down. 
I care deeply about where where you where you went with this. I um, I'm just so thankful. I we had a we had a good chat and Glenn, your story about the the uh, the winemaker. I'll, I'll share that in a minute, but because um, I think it's it's worth noting and. Um, where, where did you where did we go highlights in your group what what were the where did the topic take us yeah I think um I was just following up on what everyone else was really talking about which was that it's um it's real. Every giving everything seems very hard. Right. Um, and then um, a few people shared that, you know, that we feel more comfortable, or you know, we feel that f that is for them today is giving one thing, that one decision. You know, that whatever it might be, and might be doing a nice thing for somebody, or you know, trying to make the right decision in the time that you're at. Um, and then I, and I was just sharing that, that, that that's really all we can do is that because trying to give everything at once, we can't actually comprehend what that is. I, I can't. I don't know what what is that because, you know, it's yeah. easy to say, ah, oh, I'll give you everything. But I don't know. Like, <laughs> how do you actually perceive, like, what that is everything, yeah. you know? Because it's so much... Yeah. But what we do have the ability of is that every moment, every decision, you know, every interaction, every, um, uh, yeah, decision-making time is to give to give that to him, and then as we do that, that that gives us the courage, ability, uh, understanding, um, connection to be able to take that next step of whatever that. Uh, giving everything looks like. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's as good. He, you know, and we're just yeah. saying quickly that he just, yeah, he doesn't give us things that that we can't cope with, that we can't deal with. He, you know. Yeah. So giving everything is really practical because it's each thing as it comes up. It, yeah. yeah. It sounds instead too much. of instead, yeah, because we can't get our head around but, yeah, the everything. We, we can't know? decide every yeah, sure. thing at once. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. It's good. Is anybody cold or is it just me? Is it freezing? The the thing is right there, Jane. Yeah. I'm just sitting in it and I'm like, oh, this is icy. Okay. This is icy now. Just people just talk. This is just our family, right? I have I know there's a microphone, but it's just literally for the benefit of the people online and yeah, it's good. Yeah. I don't know, bring it here. I'll do it. It's okay. Well it's a bit difficult. No, it just acts funny. Yeah. Okay. Other 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 highlights. I was just saying I was just saying in our group how like conversations like these or like the scriptures like these just remind or bring up this like have to's and yes. shoulds and yes. you know, Jesus is like oh you gotta surrender, you gotta lay yes. your life down and or right. else or else you will be that fig tree or right. and um 
Yeah, I was just saying how like it is so important to remember who who Jesus is and who he's shown himself to me to be and um that he's trying to get life to me, not not taking away things. Yeah. 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 He's promising life, right? And he's also promising death, <laughs> right? Like, try to keep it and you'll die. You know, like, it's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, I, I want the life thing. Yeah. Well, this is the path to life. It's like, whoa, man, we don't much like that. Yeah. I was hearing somebody talking about, and we were sharing in our group, I was hearing somebody talk about, um, um, even like, um, suffering a couple weeks ago and um they were just saying like there's no there's no um religion in the world that values suffering like that values it as a as a giver of life sort of thing like the every everyone's trying to overcome or or suffering is the yeah but nobody um uses suffering to breathe life into you and that there's purpose in suffering let's put it that way and like and Glenn was sharing in in his story, he's sharing about a documentary of a guy um, doing um, a, a winemaker in the in the vineyards. I think we've heard some of this before, but in and when they had these these vines or whatever, there's there's these drought years where they're not they're not allowed to water the vines. We can't water them, and it's like why like like they'll struggle to grow and he's like they and then the 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 line he literally uses is they have to suffer so their roots go down deep so they go find what they need they must suffer to produce the best things the fruit you know the figs you know and it was the thing that the the pharisees refused to do they pretended to suffer you know, they sh put a show on to try to get the thing, but their fruit didn't taste good to Jesus. He was like, this isn't real. This is fake. This isn't right. You know? And he's like, he's like, you know, he challenged, he challenges that in them that there's nothing real underneath, you know? And then he calls his disciples to like lay down their whole lives that they would, that they would find life. And it's like, this is the, the picture. It's why he, you know, he loves the imagery of the vines, you know, the, if you want to bear much fruit, you know, and then, you know, as he's sitting here within Janessa, your comments reminding me of like, you know, cause I can sit there and feel like I'm, I'm not, maybe I look at my life and I go, well, what am I producing at the moment? And I can feel really heavy about that. And then I can be also reminded that, um, he prunes those he loves and he prunes me to produce more fruit. Yeah. So there's like suffering and there's pruning to get the best things out of me. Yeah. He, he's trying to get the best life to me and to the people around me. And yeah. Anyway, this is some of the thoughts that got spun around and what, what, what's he preparing us for? Why is he asking us to double down right now? It does feel that way. Doesn't it? Does it feel that way to you in life at the moment? Come on, re re double down, invest deep. I don't know. It does feel that way to me at the moment. Yeah. Other things, highlights in the groups? Um, I was just reminded, um, Curtis, like when you were talking about the, 
the coins and what each of the um, them did with the coins, I think I got thinking about how um, the one guy that got given, you know, extra because he were, he did so well with his coins, I think sometimes I forget that what the real thing is and I get caught up in the literal things of the um, parables and it's like, yeah, if I'm um, doing really well with God, then I'll get good favour and I'll get lots of money or my business will be successful or I'll have, you know, whatever, all of these things. And I think um, what I was reminded of was that um, that that's the faking it, you know, that that's not the real thing. And I think I forget that. And, um, you know, money comes and goes, businesses are successful and they're not successful. But what the parables show us is that really just he uses whatever is literal and whatever is in front of us, like whatever is relevant at yeah, the moment. Story, yeah. He will tell a story in whatever um, and to get us the real thing, to get us the real treasures, to get us the kingdom. And I think I'm just reminded of, yes, that's what I want. I want the real thing. Um, and, um, and yeah, I think I just, yeah, I get caught up sometimes yeah. in the literal stuff still. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm good favour. Look at all this, you know. Or I must be getting it wrong because crap. My, our business is failing or you yeah, know what right. I mean yeah, but yeah. what if like really the business was never going to do well because that's not what it's about it's about the richness that it gets to us the, mm. the real jewels the kingdom things that um, just can't be taken away I think that's so good because I really think yeah he's used business and finance to teach us things and to bring us along. But even as we come into maturity, I think he does really want us to see us look beyond those things, like you're saying, like to the actual kingdom value. Yeah. And what is the kingdom value he's put in you? Yeah. It's probably not cash, right? Like, you know? But he'll use that because we value it so highly, right? So he'll use it. You know, and where where cash isn't valued, he'll use what's valued. Yeah. So it's, it's just what what do I value? You know, we've we've felt this with like family, even. Yeah, it's good to have Roche here. She's family. Yeah, we've felt challenged in that because we so value that. You know, so he asks us, "Will you lay? You know, will you lay that down?" It's like, oh, you know. He'll, he'll ask the thing that you value and he'll ask you to trust him with the thing that you value. Yes, I have family for you. Yes, I have provision for you. Will you trust me with it? <laughs> yeah, because they're not bad things. Yeah. We just hold them too high sometimes and he offers us, you know, if we hold on to things, we're going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it's good reflections. Hey, thanks for going on the wild journey with me. And um, yeah, I guess that's the, the, you know, the personal question, like going away, you know, like as appreciate it. Like what's the small thing? What's the thing? What's the next thing that I could journey with him on? What's the next thing I could hand him? And um, yeah, yeah, he, he just doesn't, he just doesn't come up short when we double down. 
it's just been my experience over and over again. I can just, I'll just tell you, it's just, yeah. And when I hold on to it and I grip onto it and I hold tight and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm in it right now. I want to hold tight and sit tight and just sit. That's what I want to do. Cause I'm too scared. I'm, I'm scared about jumping, but we're at a point now where, where again, where something needs to happen, um, in, in our world and, and it's either double down like, and I, I you know, we've come this far. Yeah. And I look around this room, I go, you've come this far. It's just worth it to do it again. It's just going to be worth it. So anyway, I'm excited.